Hello and welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. It is episode 93, day 270. My name is Patrick Finn, but unfortunately Tommy Gibbons is not here with us tonight. He is in Tech Week for a show that he is directing called, what is it called, Stephen? Uh, Run for Your Wife. Run is for it, Your, is it Run for Your Wife? No, Whose Wife whose Is wife It is Anyway? It anyway? <laughs> Opening this weekend at the Manus Studio Theater on Wellwood Avenue in Lindenhurst. I believe it's running for the next three weekends, this weekend and two weekends after that. So Tommy's busy with that tonight. So co-hosting with me tonight is my husband and producer, Stephen Prendergast. Hello. And we also have a guest tonight. He's not grumpy, he's not old, he's slightly gay, and he's a man. Welcome our guest, Teddy Thaddeus, Ted, Tedward Plazia. Tedward. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello. By the way, what is the correct pronunciation of your last name? Is um, it Plazia? Is it Plesia? Well, uh, <laughs> you know, like after it was like Americanized, uh, I usually go with uh, Plesia. Okay. You know, plus, oh, just Plesia. So the accent on the E, not on the E. That's yeah. the, so it's not yeah. Plesia, not Plesia. Yeah. I've also heard Plesia. Yes, like, I've heard that it's too. It's the same thing, you know? Okay. But yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to the show. And you'll also be happy to know that Teddy is also a dog owner. Oh, yes, yes. How many dogs does your family have? We have two dogs. Uh, we have one uh, Yorkie Shih Tzu and one Yorkie Poodle. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And they're both adorable. Yes, they are. Yes, they and are. And they get along with Abigail. Shocking. Yeah, right? Go figure. Oh, yeah. No, they're, they are the friendliest dogs in the entire Yeah, but world. Abigail's not. <laughs> well, yeah. Bruno, Bruno's friendly. Yes. Bruno the Yorkie the Poodle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The funny thing about the Yorkie Shih Tzu is that the farm that she was raised in everything had a lot of cats on it. She was the mm. runt in the litter, so she was there the longest and now she actually has tendencies like she's a cat. She likes cats. <laughs> oh, yeah. She sits on high places. She'll rub her face up against you and like run between your legs. Aww. She's 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 the one that her and Abigail were faced with, like, face to face. But we were at your house. Yep. So that made it better. She knew it was not her space. Exactly. Yeah, she was very well behaved, our Abigail. Yes, until she stole a hamburger from the barbecue station. That's our daughter. (laughs) Frozen hamburger. Well, we might as well go right into our first segment tonight, which, of course, is a little heavy petting. (laughs) Teddy, don't touch me there. Touch me here. And tonight in Heavy Petting, we have a new story. It's about one of the president's dogs biting someone again. Again? (laughs) Yes. His younger dog, Commander, because he has another one called Major. This one's called Commander's. They've had it for like two years now. It bit another Secret Service agent at the White House this past Monday evening. This was the 11th known biting incident with this particular dog. The worst one was in November of last year when an officer was hospitalized after the dog clamped down on the arms and thighs. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The 11th time, when is Secret Service going to get it through their heads that they can't approach the dog? But you know what? Also at the same time, they're bringing new dogs. New dogs not only to the White House, but new to the owners, to the Bidens themselves. Yeah. 
into this strange environment full of people. Full of intimidating people. Yeah. You need to have had these dogs and trained these dogs. And that's the thing. I mean, they're, the, the spokesman is saying, oh, well, they're being trained. Yeah, but I'm sure they're not being trained by Joe and his wife. You know, they're being trained by agents or whatever. Yeah. You need to be trained by, by the owner. They're right? not getting trained by the people. Yeah, Joe's just too busy and his wife is still working. She's very busy. It's like... I mean, if you have to assign one or two agents to just take care of those dogs and be with so them be all it. the time, keep the dog in a residential area, keep it out when no, other... all they want to do is bitch about the dog biting people. When I know. It's in the dog's nature to protect themselves. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't blame the dog. I, I blame the people in charge of this yeah. dog. But the sad part is this dog's going to wind up getting put down because it's the 11th fucking time. It's it's out of hand. It really is. They might not do it when Biden's in office. And then we'll just bring in another dog? Like No, it's it's sickening. When a dog bites somebody, oh, you got to put it down. My dog's bitten people, and they should have been bitten. Right? Oh, right. <laughs> right, Abigail? Abigail's too busy licking my hands. Yeah, she does love licking hands, doesn't she? But we now move on to our Dictionary of Dogs, our Compendium of Canines, and we are up to the letter K today. K? Yes. And the dog we are talking about is called, it's called the Kaikati dog. Show you a picture of it. Looks like a gram. Right? This dog, it's a sight hound, which means it hunts by sight. It's indigenous to India. It's kept by the Kaikati people, who are a nomadic tribe on the western coast of India. The dog's about 15 to 18 inches tall, weighs about 44 pounds, has long, uh, thin legs, powerful thighs, and a long, thin head with prominent eyes and erect ears. It comes in a, it has a short coat and comes in a variety of colors, but primarily white, tan, and black. Yeah, here's a black one, hopefully. Yeah, look at that. Oh, look at that, with the white face. Right? If you, were, if you were to animate that dog, it would really be the dog from The Simpsons. Like, yes, yeah, that right? Like, yes, slender yes. body. You yes. see the What's his cage? name? Christmas? Or? Little, uh, Santa's little Santa's little helper. Santa's little, little helper. helper. I knew yep. it was something to do with <laughs> But they're known for their exceptional speed, well, considering the size of those legs. They usually hunt in packs for small game, uh, particularly monkeys, rats, Lizards, mongoose, and squirrels. They are also suspicious of strangers, and they are usually work at night as watchdogs for their for some owners. Wow. So that's the story of the Kaikati. Beautiful dog. Mm. Oh, yeah. Right? Skinny, skinny. Look at his ribs. Yeah, this one's a little too thin. Jeez. Yeah, we shouldn't be seeing ribs on it. See them in all of them. <laughs> that one, that's, that's beautiful. It's like the coloring of a cow. A cow, yeah. <laughs> Right? Really skinny cow. That's it for heavy petting for tonight. That wasn't heavy petting. Yes, it was. Dogs are always part of heavy petting. Oh, okay. Don't tell me. Oh, fuck. What's <laughs> my producer? He doesn't even know what the segment is. Oh. My God. Maybe if you listen to the show once in a while. No. Go off a bit. <laughs> Dick. We now move on to our next segment. Happy birthday. Many happy returns. A very happy birthday. Yes, it's time for today's birthday birthdays and let's see if you can guess today's birthday celebrants we have two of them and they're both dead yeah. <laughs> shocker this first one was born september 27th 1722 in boston he was a second cousin to john adams he was a member of the massachusetts house of representatives and he became part of the movement opposed to the british parliament's efforts 
to tax the American colonists without their consent. He wrote a letter calling for colonial non-cooperation, which then led to the occupation of, by, of Boston by British troops, and that led to the Boston Massacre of 1770. He then and his colleagues then devised a committee of correspondence system in 1772 to help coordinate resistance against the British government, and after in 1773, after the passage of the Tea Act, they actively opposed it by boycotting British tea, which led to the Boston Tea Party. Uh, in retaliation, England passed the Coercive Acts, which closed Boston commerce until the East India Company was repaid for the loss of tea. Well, this man proposed a boycott of all British goods and requested an intercolonial congress. And he was a member of both the First and Second Continental Congress. And in April of 1775, his arrest was ordered by the British Commander-in-Chief of the Armies in America, Thomas Gage. He ordered this man's arrest along with John Hancock. And Paul Revere was sent to warn them. And of course, the next day was the Battles of Lexington and Concord, which started the American Revolution. Okay, neither one of us know who You don't is. know! It may sound stupid saying this, but... It's a founding it, father! Isn't it Sam Adams? Yes! Yeah. Thank you! Yeah, Sam Adams. You didn't know who that was, Stephen? He has a beer named after him. Really? I don't drink <laughs> beer. <laughs> I don't either. I was very bad with American history. Shame on you. Well, Adams is credited with steering the Congress towards independence and is often called the father of the American Revolution. And after the Revolution, he became uh, the governor of Massachusetts. He retired in 1797 and he died at the age of 81 in the year 1803. Anyway, Sam Adams, we say... Happy birthday, Sammy. Let's see if you can guess the next birthday celebrant. He was born Marvin Lee Aday in Dallas, Texas on September 27th, 1947. He later changed his first name to Michael. When he was born, he was he was supposedly very bright red and stayed that way for, for days. So his father said he looked like nine pounds of ground chuck. And he convinced the hospital staff to put the name Meat on his crib. He later uh, became a singer and had bands as first professional gig was in 1968 opening for Van Morrison. He later joined the Los Angeles production of Hair, and then later joined the 1972 Broadway production of it. He also appeared in other plays, including a Shakespeare in the Park production of As You Like It with Raul Julia. At this time, he also met songwriter Jim Steinman. In 1973, he was cast in the role of Eddie and Dr. Scott in the original L.A. Roxy production of the Rocky Horror Show. He then went on to play the role it's in meatloaf. the film. Yes, and he sang this song. Yes, we are talking about Mr. Meat Loaf. I didn't know his name was Michael. Yeah, well, actually, he was originally Marvin, and then he, ch he changed it to Michael. But he became known as Meat Loaf because as he got older in school, he was kind and of chunkier. short and chunky, <laughs> and his people started calling him Meat Loaf. In fact, I read a story about him that he at one point he was trying to become a vegan, and he wanted to meet uh, Katie Lang, and she wouldn't meet him. 
because she's a vegan also, but and she wouldn't meet him because, because his name was Meatloaf. Meat <laughs> I was like, really? Okay, that's being a little okay. I bitchy. Little bitchy. A little bit bitchy, Katie. Yeah. But anyway, in 1977, he released the album Bat Out of Hell, which included the hit songs Paradise by the Dashboard Light, You Took the Words Right Out of My Mouth, and Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. It has sold an estimated 43 million copies around the world, including 15 million in the U.S., making it one of the best-selling albums of all time. He released 12 albums between 1977 and 2016. And he actually won a Grammy Award for Best Solo Rock Vocal Performance for his song, i Do Anything for Love, from the album Bat Out of Hell yeah. 2, Back Into Hell. He also appeared in over 40 films, including Wayne's World, mm -hmm. Sausage Party, and, most famously, Fight Club. His name was Robert Paulson. That was his character, Robert Paulson. He died in Nashville, Tennessee on January 20th of 2022, at the age of 74. Uh. No cause of death was released, but he was reportedly ill with COVID earlier in January of that year. And it was suggested that he died from COVID-related complications. Oh, that sucks. But it's never been officially stated. Yeah. So, to meatloaf we say... <laughs> Happy, Happy birthday, birthday meatloaf. Wayne's World, Wayne's World, God <laughs> damn excellent. <laughs> we now move on to our next segment. <laughs> you could have combined the birthdays and bring out today. <laughs> I know, the way we're going, I know, I never, we never have any living people's birthdays to celebrate. But this person who just recently died on September 25th, two days ago, was born in September 19th, 1933. He gained recognition in the 1960s for playing Russian secret agent Ilya Kuryakin in the television series The Man from Uncle. That's a little bit before your time, Ted Yeah. yeah. It was him and Robert Mitchum playing secret agents during, it was the, whole, during the Cold War and everything. But he became like an instant heartthrob back then. Let me show you a picture of what he looked like back then. That's what he looked like back then. Looks like right. Alexander right. Skarsgård. Yeah, he does look similar to him, right? Yeah. yeah he looks like Until you see him brothers. old, then he just looks like Ducky. But while he was playing his role, he be, he was inundated with fan letters, and he received more fan mail than any other actor in MGM's history, I guess, was, was his producer. Wow. Yeah. So he was pretty popular. Then. And then when he sort of disappeared, he made films and did other TV shows. But starting in 2003, he gained popularity once again by playing... Medical examiner Dr. Donald Ducky Mallard on NCIS. Did you ever watch NCIS? No. Or was that too daddyish for you? No, no. Uh, I was raised on Law and Order. Uh. So, you know, I watched the original with Jerry Orbeck and then I watched all the series after that. All okay. The way up to like SVU and like. But never got into NCIS, huh? No, not too much. Okay. No. One thing why. me and my parents have in common, it's the NCIS. We was we watched all the NCIS. Oh, my God, right? Except Miami, right? Is it Miami or the California one? I think it was the California one. We, I think. I don't remember now. We watched it's the New Orleans one, one. We watched the New Orleans one. It's the one with iced tea in it that we just... Yeah, and Chris into. O'Donnell. Yeah, yeah, we never watched, got into that one. But I, interesting fact, David McCallum, when he auditioned for the role, became an expert in forensics and went to medical forensic conventions. 
Oh, shit. So that he actually knew what he was, he talking, he was about talking about, playing a medical examiner, which I thought was pretty cool. Well, some of the shit that came out of his mouth, if you didn't know what you were talking about, you couldn't pronounce that shit. I know, right? <laughs> but he obviously did. He appeared in over 40 films, including 1958's A Night to Remember, which was a film about the Titanic, 1962's Billy Budd, and 1963's The Great Escape. Great war movie if you've never seen it. He was married twice, divorced once. He had a total of five children. And he died in New York City of natural causes at the age of 90. Wow. So that's quite... I mean, he worked up to the very end. Yeah. He was right. still on yeah. NCIS. Yeah, he was still doing guest appearances. Right? So, to David McCallan, rest in peace. Thank you for entertaining us. Yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy that? <laughs> I, I wasn't sure what to expect on that one. That was a good one. I love the sound effect. We now move on to our next segment. Today in history. Or as Tommy calls it, Patsy in the Coconuts. <laughs> but today in history, this musical opened... At the Kodak Theater in Los Angeles. Never quite made it to Broadway. It was called The Ten Commandments, The Spectacle Musical. I wonder why I never made it to Broadway. Well, in this production, <laughs> it's you're not going to believe who played Moses. Val Kilmer. And the other famous name in this was Adam Lambert, who played Joshua. Wow. <laughs> I know, you both look like kind of dumbfounded by that. I actually found clips of this show. Now, if you were writing a musical called The Ten Commandments, how might you open the show? The Burning Bush tablet. Well, if you're telling the story of Moses, how would you open the show? Probably him in the, the river. Okay. Sending him down the... Okay. Well, they decided to start at a little bit earlier part in the story. I'll show you. Here we Join with our enemies to not number us. To this threat I will not turn a blind eye. The newborn son of each Hebrew family must die. 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 So we're killing children on stage. Yes, that's how they um, open it. With the killing of the firstborn males of each Jewish family. Wow. At the order of the Pharaoh. That's how the show opens. <laughs> Let's do this next season. Uh, My I, mother would have a heart attack. I would have a heart attack. Are you kidding me? How can you build your kingdom on the blood of generations when all those who've suffered are the stones of its foundation? The river's overflowing with the flood of human tears. Still you keep them shackled in the bondage of their fear. It's no man's right to enslave another man, to make him a possession. Chain his heart, chain his hands. There's Adam Lambert. It's not your right to kill anyone's dreams. Break their will with poverty, let them go. Let my people go free, let their free will decide what their lives are gonna be. Let them rule okay. by their authority. <laughs> Seen enough, huh? In his defense, what? When, when was this? 
This was in 2004. Okay, right after this, didn't he get diagnosed with throat cancer? I have no idea. I don't know when that diagnosis came. <laughs> Teddy, you seem dumbfounded by I, it. I very much am. Whatever I was expecting the beginning of that to be, it was not that. Yeah. It was not that. I, I saw that that was how the musical opened. I was like... Oh, man, this is bad. <laughs> bad. Like, no build-up into it at all. No, just like, let's go right to the murders. I thought Buried Child was bad with one baby. <laughs> that was a drama. That just straight a drama. This is a musical. <laughs> and you're opening with the slaughter of children. The slaughter of children. Oh, so I think we know so why this show never made it to Broadway. But happy oh, anniversary on 19 years ago opening in L.A. today. Uh, next up is... Auschwitz. The ovens. <laughs> I, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, we now move on to our next segment. What day is it? Could you play tell me? What day is it? How could you do Yes, it's time for what day is it? It's Wednesday. Well, we know it's Wednesday, but it's also a number of other days. Today is the National Day of Forgiveness. Fuck that. Tedward, is there anyone in your life you'd like to forgive today? No No one really in particular. No one? I'm I'm kind of with Stephen on this one. Really? Stephen, is there one you want to forgive today? I hold grudges and I fucking like it. (laughs) Well, I'm going to forgive the most important person I know. I'm forgiving myself. Oh, you faggot. (laughs) (laughs) And today is also no National Chocolate Milk Day. Oh, if I would have known that, I would have gotten Hershey's syrup. Well, shout out to all the chocolate cows that are making chocolate yes. cows. Well, it was invented in the late 1680s by an Irish physician named Hans Sloan. I don't know what kind of an Irish name that is. <laughs> but he served as a personal physician to an English duke in Jamaica. And from the locals there, he learned about a beverage they were drinking of coconut and water, which he said was disgusting. But he made a concoction of it with cocoa and milk, which became chocolate milk. And now we're back to cocoa and water. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. And the, and the water to the cocoa. Yeah. Water. So eventually he returned to England with the recipe in hand, and the rest was history. And did you know they used chocolate milk as a med- for medicinal purposes initially? Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know. Depression. Upset it would, stomach. It would make you happy. Yeah, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, you know? I can't I'm remember not the last even, time I ever had chocolate milk. I'm not even like, a I huge had... fan of chocolate, but like, I feel like in that time, if like, <laughs> I feel like at that time, if like someone was like, hey, you're feeling sad? Here's a cup of uh, cocoa, cocoa milk. milk. I'd be like, oh, okay, take a sip. I'd be happier. Yeah. Fucking A. Fucking A. Fucking A. Nothing's better than hot cocoa made with milk. The Godiva hot cocoa. Yes, oh. that was great. Mr. If Godiva any, hot if, chocolate. If that did anything for my belly, it made it hurt because I, <laughs> I drank a lot of it. And lastly, today is National Corn Beef Hatch Day. Ah. Uh. Have Let's you ever made corned beef hash? I will never make corned beef hash. I hate corned beef hash. The way I judge a diner is their corned beef hash. I judge a <laughs> diner based off of their corned beef hash. If you have good corned beef hash, I can trust that diner. Because there's always something I can lean back on, you know? I, I made that one food I sometimes. think I made it once because Diana was staying over. Okay. So me and her made it because she wanted hash browns and we had so much Leftover corned beef. Okay. After after a St. Patrick's Day party. 
but my mother used to make it all the time. That and chick beef. Well, for those who are listening who don't know what corned beef hash is, it seems that during during and after World War II, there was rationing of meat. So some of the cheapest meat you can get was corned beef. And they would reuse that and they would make a... What would they make it with, Stephen? It's uh, with potatoes and onions and... Yeah. It's a meal that could last would, for days. Almost like a casserole. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I hated it. Why do you hate it? I just... I don't know. You don't know? Maybe because my mother made it all the time and instead of bacon and I wanted bacon. Okay. Did you ever, did you ever have Hormel's corned beef hash? No. No, I've never had... Oh, you've had it, Tedward? Oh, yeah. Hormel's? Yeah. And how is that? Well, I mean, like, it's all right. Okay. See, with corned beef hash, if you're not making it from scratch, I feel like it's just not going to ever be as good as that, you know? Of course. Like, it's like chili. Like, you're not going to yeah, get the full effect like unless it's a, a fresh made chili. Yeah. Yep. Like, you know, a good mac and cheese is a good mac and cheese. But craft is like, it okay. can suffice. You can okay. live on it. You know? Yeah, exactly. You could live the on it. The only way but I like, would, I would eat... like, homemade... Oh, yeah. <sighs> Only way I would eat it when my mother made it is to douse it in mustard. Cool. Yeah. So happy National Corn Beef Hash yes. Day. We now move on to our next segment. How about a little round of Get the Guests? How about Let's that? How get, about the guests. get the Guests. Yes, it's time to play Get the Guests. <laughs> and he has to get naked for it. Just I was just going to settle for a little light bondage. <laughs> You're going right to the nudity. Let's work up to that, okay? I got Jeez. The, I got the sling. But this is the segment of our show where we interview our guests about his various exploit and activities. Now, Tebo, what do you do for a living? Oh, that's a great question. I am a, uh, I'm a stage carpenter for different theaters and... Uh, different studios I've, I've worked with the, the union so i can work with the on tvs and films and everything like that but i'm also an emt and i'm also an actor how long have you been an emt just this year really um, yeah started taking classes at the beginning of the year and i got certified and i've been riding along on the bus and actually starting to practice now since the beginning of the year as well you know it's just 2023, year being in EMS. Right. Oh. Medical Services. Yeah. So what made you get into that field? So I've been, uh, since COVID, just kind of like figuring out like different things, you know, different things I can do besides just acting, you know, uh, having those uh, plan B fallback strategies. And I don't want to just be reliant on one thing because like if for whatever reason, you know, the union's on strike right now, as well as every other union. Right, <laughs> in entertainment right now is on strike. Okay, but it's it's good to have like different options open. Uh, my dad was a medic, uh, so it, it seems like I've already gotten some pre knowledge going into it. Okay, and some like pre kind of visual experience, just because I love to visualize and empathize when like someone's like telling me something like really like interesting with the story like, yeah especially like my dad telling like super out there stories with being in the service and being a medic his entire life going from the fire department into higher jobs and everything like that and yeah it, it's a it's admirable so you know 
There you go. Yeah. Good. Now, now, what kind of training did you have to go to become an EMT? So for that, I did six months of school, two days a week, every week. Okay. As well as when I joined my first department, I joined as a volunteer, and I can only stay a volunteer now at this department, but that's okay, okay because now I can get all my training and experience done there, so that way I can get like the... A paying job when I'm in a more comfortable position. It's not good to be trying to save someone's life and not having the experience of saving someone's life. Right. So, uh, the department I'm at, they do a great job at, you know, just like watching over me and like helping me like progress and learn and do things, not just like the, the correct ways, but doing things my way. That way, like I know how to go about this type of call or this type of emergency. Okay. Now, what exactly do they train you in for? What kind of situations? Basically, we get trained in, we break it down into two things, medical and trauma. Medical is like something when you're ill, you're sick, something not going correctly within the body. A trauma is something that like physically happens to you. So it could be a fall. It could be getting into a car accident. It could be... Your husband killing you in your sleep. <laughs> that could be... Just say it. Yes, yes. Uh, hypothetically, that... Hypothetically. That would be a trauma. Okay, yes. That would qualify. <laughs> That's what we call a uh, dead on arrival. You know, uh, different situations between those two kind of categories. And it's just going down like a whole list of things, making sure that you're covering everything on the patient to making sure that they're safe, that they're not going to get more sick on the way to the hospital in your care. Okay. That way, you know, maybe it could be something not as serious, but it's serious for the patient. Yeah. So that way you need to comfort them and you need to make them feel better as they get to the hospital. That way the hospital can explain, listen, there's nothing really going on. I think like you just need to chill at home for a couple of days, you know, rest up. You'll be fine. Sort of situations. Okay. So, cool. It's just helping along the way. Now, as part of your training, do they have you go out in the field at all as part of that? Yeah. So, while I was still in school, I was at the department. Um, I was going on the bus and everything as long as I was CPR certified. Okay. I went with other EMTs and other trained professionals, uh, medics and everything. Uh, that way, I can watch them get the experience on what they do on calls. That way I can remember, okay, I'm seeing these issues. Maybe I should try this. I'm seeing these symptoms, these signs. Maybe I should check this to make sure that these levels are okay. Like people's blood glucose levels, especially like when they're diabetics and they don't know they're diabetics or they're pre-diabetics. Like you need to make sure that like keeping up with that. Sometimes it just slips your mind, you know, like you're just... A little undersugared. Okay. And all of a sudden you're going delirious. Yeah. And it's just, all right, well, have some sugar gel that we give you and we'll wait with you for a second. Make sure you feel better. All right. Want to go to the hospital or are you good? You know, you can take care of yourself from here. So it it wasn't the acid that I dropped. Maybe it was my (laughs) glucose. Yes. Yeah, that must be it. Have you ever had to deal with a situation where someone died at the scene? Not yet, personally. Okay. Um, I've been in situations where I guess someone could have, but everybody was doing their job correctly and everybody was very efficient at what they were doing. Yeah. Different things that could happen. Okay. Accidents. Now, are you still in training or are you in a probationary period? Are you a full EMT now? I'm I'm still in a probationary period. Okay. Uh, I just 
got certified back in August. So right now I'm just going through kind of, I'm leading the calls, but there's another EMT on the call who's watching over me, making sure I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to, making sure I'm asking the right questions, I'm taking the right notes. And that's actually a very big thing that I learned about being an EMT and being in the uh, like EMS like transport service is that you are documenting everything and you are taking note of everything and I, that's something that like I like to do naturally like I love to people watch as part of like one of my acting trainings you know just like yeah. see people do things and then just like kind of mimic it to myself you know like okay. a little freak like a little weirdo um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's like taking note of everything that's going on in the situation that way you know if you suspect that there's an issue within a household of any kind any sort of abuse you can point out these things and then you can make sure you contact and get the right help you know because sometimes it's very hard to reach out but if you think that there's a serious issue by your discretion you know there, there's signs of abuse like you should report it and i think that's just for everybody to know you know yeah, yeah always, definitely always look out for your old brother sister neighbor have you ever had any situations where someone was threatening suicide i haven't been on any calls but there have been calls recently yeah uh, in the area that i work in so okay it happens yeah that's a shame it'll get more it, so it's definitely the, a shame during the holiday season yeah always look out for well it's a good thing brother, to, sister neighbor right good thing to have you know you as an em just don't drop me on the stretcher. <laughs> I'm heavier than I look. <laughs> I deal with very heavy patients on a regular basis. You, you, you are nothing. <laughs> don't the ambulances come equipped, equipped with lifts now? So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. So you're an actor. Why acting? Why theater? Why here? Why now? Oh, those are great questions as well. <laughs> I ask myself every day. No, different from being an EMT. I've been an actor my entire life. Okay. Um, I started acting when I was five, and, uh... What was your first play? It was called Family Values. Oh, no. Oh, God, I hate the name of it already. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> from, from what I remember, it was about this guy, and the guy was on his way to a dinner with his boss, and he wasn't doing well at work, and he wasn't having a good home life <laughs> with his wife. And he got and a hooker. No. <laughs> On the way to the dinner, he accidentally hits a kid with his car. The kid was me. And they Next bring, up, Moses. They bring, <laughs> what did they do? Bring you to the restaurant? No, no. They bring me to the hospital. And if I remember correctly, they claimed that they were my parents. That way... Because they didn't know who I was. They didn't know whose kid I was. They're right. not just going to be like, hey, we hit this kid. We're bringing him to the hospital. Like, help him. Arrest us. So, like, they pretend to be this kid's parents. And I think at the end of the show, you find out it's, like, the boss's, like, niece or nephew. Oh, my God. That was hit. And, yeah. Wow. Do you have any lines from the show that you remember? Ow, my arm. <laughs> Where's daddy? Where's mommy? Like, literally, those were my lines. Immortal lines. I'll, I'll remember those always now. I remember, like, I didn't exactly know when my lines came in, but I'd see my mom in the audience, and she would go, and then I'd be like, ow, my arm. Like, she would just, like, grab her arm and, like, act like it was hurt, and then that would, my cue, like, oh, I have to do that. Uh, no. Debbie, at least the stage mom. <laughs> right. Seriously. Right. How cute. But, yeah, I've been 
acting since then. Well, that's I've great. Done everything from musicals to classical, contemporary comedy. And you've also done film, haven't you? Yes, I have done film. And I was actually recently in a independent film called It's a Love Bro, and they uh, sent it to a few few film festivals, and I recently just gotten two nominations in the Nyla Festival. Oh, that's nice. great. That's New York, York Long the... Island Film Festival. Okay. Yes. Oh, excellent. What were you nominated for? Best Supporting uh, Cast Member and Best Comedic Part. Cool. Very cool. Congratulations nice. on the nomination. That's excellent. When do they announce the winners? Uh, I believe that's sometime in October. Oh, okay. Well, check not too again, far away. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Which do you prefer, stage acting or film acting? That's interesting. I, I need to do more film work to really make that decision because I've done stage my entire life you know i i will always feel like i'm connected to a stage but i get told that i look good on film okay so i don't know i i really accept any sort of acting well, work so let's see take your clothes off <laughs> well, i don't have stage i got a camera <laughs> so I don't need no film. I we have a milk cart outside. Yeah, yeah. Milk crate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can stand on the milk crate. That's your stage. Life is a stage. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so funny. I understand you're in a play right now. Oh yeah. In fact, you're in a play with me right now. Yeah, I am. And what is that play? It's called Red. And where is it playing at? At South Shore Theater Experience. And where and, is that located? Uh, 115 South Wellwood Avenue, Lindenhurst. It's just south of the train tracks. And what is the play Red about? Ah. About 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Give or take. <laughs> Red is about painter Mark Rothko, a little small town painter who gets uh, commissioned to make a series of murals at the Four Seasons restaurant in New York City. And he takes on an employee to help him with the work of the commissions. And over time, they discuss uh, the aging of artists and their work and how they view their work and it's about life and death and everything in between and their oldsmobile convertibles <laughs> and their oldsmobile convertibles and if you want to know what that means come and see the show yes the play is running this coming weekend it will actually well by the time this comes out it will already have run on thursday night but we have shows on friday the 29th and saturday september 30th our last two shows at yes. 8 p.m Yes, at 8 p.m. Arrive promptly. Yes. Come and see us. It's selling out quick. So what have, what have you learned from this play? Oh, I've <laughs> learned a lot. Uh, I could start with the vocab. It's yeah. solipsistic? <laughs> Seagrams. Anthropomorphizing. Anthropomorphizing. <laughs> Oh, yes, he did love his big words. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes, blame yeah. John Logan, the playwright, for that. Listen, if that's how they talked, that's how they talked. I'm not going not gonna to knock it, but... Well, you know, artists. Yeah, I just usually end up making up my own words. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't try and learn big words and sound <laughs> No, you did pretty good with it this time. Took a this few, time. Took this a few time. tries took with time. solipsistic. <laughs> I still don't say it right, do I? No, you do. No, you do. Oh, okay. No, during rehearsals it was solipsistic. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you've been saying it right. Go so on. come and see the show. It's a really good show. You get to see Patrick do manual labor. Yes, we do get to paint in the show, don't we? Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yes, that's quite an experience. I love getting paint all in my hair because 
How did that happen? Because you splattered the paint off the canvas. Me? Yeah, you. Me? Because he... Patrick doesn't dip a paintbrush. He scoops with the paintbrush and slaps it on the canvas. I have to make sure it's a good, healthy amount when I put it on that canvas. (laughs) He goes through half the bucket of paint in the first stroke. Yeah. But it's a really good show. Yes, it is. So, yeah, we do And I hear that the lighting and sound guy is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, he's adequate. You prick. He and does the job. Yeah, oh, I guess. Bags. When he's wait not screwing up the music cues. Oh, wait till tomorrow, fucker. Oh, gee, Kelsey Pre. <laughs> I'm going to cut you. <laughs> I'm going to cut him with his own fucking music. Mm. Patrick did the music for the show. Yes, I did. I arranged, arranged the music. I didn't write the music. I arranged the music. I just said you did the music. <laughs> I didn't specify how you did it. I just said you did it. But we used the music of Mozart and Schubert, who were two of Rothko's favorites. And we also also used the music. Uh-huh. I know we also used the music of Morton Freeman, a contemporary and friend of Mark Rothko's, and he wrote a piece called Rothko Chapel in honor of the opening of the Rothko Chapel in Texas. So yeah, and that's all the pre-show music. Yep, yep, all the ding. Ding. Yeah. Bong. That's Bong. exactly it's all very like minimalistic it's, sounding. It's piano and vi- and violin. But it seems to be very fitting. And people have noticed the music too. One person knew everything on pre-show and everything. Yeah, they knew what arias I picked for the show. They and, knew all the pieces I picked. About my name, like yep. yeah. crazy. Right. They even That's, knew my um, the post-show music. I picked Mussorgsky's pictures at an exhibition for yes. the post-show. They knew that. That was uh Larry. Larry. Larry local playwright. Yep, knew it all. He picked it right off. Yes, he did. I was very impressed. I was flattered, too. I'm like, yay, somebody noticed the music. I take pride in doing that. (laughs) So what are your next theatrical endeavors after Red closes? After that, I will be uh, working with Sunrise Theater with a program that they do at schools. Okay. Called Butterfly Cycle of Life. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and uh, that will be playing at, uh, I believe, uh, elementary schools in Maryland. Oh, wow. That will be... That'll be fun for a few days. Excellent. Um, That's great. Yeah. And then uh, I won't be doing anything until January. Uh, well, I'll be uh, in Vanya, Sonia, and Masha, and Spike. At South Shore Theater Experience. Again. Yep. Excellent. I'm looking forward. It's a great play. A lot of fun. Well, you might be doing something a little sooner than that. Yeah, we'll talk later. We'll talk later. Uh, you're, you're trying to get me in it. Yes, there's a nice little part in Times Square Angel, the cast. Which will be coming in December to South Shore Theater Experience. Yes. The Charles Bush Christmas comedy. Do I have to sing? No, there's uh, only at the end. Everyone's With singing the Christmas carol at the end. I think you can handle that. You can lip sync it, sweetie. Yeah, well, I'll, 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 I'll allow it. Do I have to dance? No, unless Tommy... Well, uh, we'll talk. Bill we'll Bill. talk. I was going to say, can I dance? We'll talk. We'll talk. I, I don't mind the singing. I'll do the dancing. I, I'll mind dancing. <laughs> We'll talk, dearie. So I think that's it for Get the Guest. Thank you very much, Tedward. Thank you. And we now move into our next segment, wherein we take a look into my briefs. (laughs) And tonight for a look into my briefs, we have two stories. One is the continuing saga of Clarence Thomas. Oh, what a Well, there's this group called ProPublica. I'm not sure if it's a publication or an organization. And they did a new investigation that revealed that Clarence Thomas attended at least two fundraisers 
in connection with the billionaires, the Koch brothers. And at one of them, in 2018, he was flown on a private Gulfstream G2000 to Palm Springs and was a featured speaker attending a private dinner with donors. And he was brought in to speak, the staffers say, in hopes of raising money for the, the network that they had because the Koch brothers are very conservative and contribute lots of money to conservative causes. So like in order to attend this fundraising event, they had to contribute $100,000 just to attend. Now, wasn't but he, then they got to meet Clarence Thomas. Now, wasn't he a judge in something that went before the Supreme Court? He has been a judge on a number of cases with in the which the Koch brothers or their businesses or affiliations have been before the Supreme Court. And he's participated and made this and ruled in those decisions. Little conflict of interest there, Bubba. Well, see, the problem is because there is no code of ethics applicable to the Supreme Court. Under the Federal Code of Ethics that is applied to every other federal judge, he would have been prohibited from attending any type of fundraising event like that. And he never even reported this in government records at all. Of course not. He hasn't never even reported this. Now, why is this such a big deal? We have to go back a little bit. Back in like uh, 1985, I think, there was a case. It's known now as Chevron. And what this case said was that leeway should be given to federal government agencies in interpreting the law. Who wrote the decision on that? Justice Clarence Thomas. This was like so many years ago. Now he's saying just the opposite. He's pulling that. In fact, he's, he's asking that the decision be overturned. Now, gee, what could have changed his mind during all that time? Because... By overturning that decision, that means businesses and corporations would be under less federal oversight and could pretty much do what they wanted then. And that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So, there's this case coming up now that's going to deal with this whole issue. And, of course, he'll be participating in it. He won't recuse himself in any way. No, of course not. But he needs to go. He needs... Well, that's a problem. You know he's not going to resign. And with this Congress, they're never going to impeach him. So we're stuck with this bastard, unfortunately, which is a real shame because he's corrupt as hell. He stains the Supreme Court with his presence now. Even the appearance of impropriety, that's what's so important. Even the appearance of impropriety is wrong. Just with what his wife pulls, he should not be on the back. Well, yeah. But all the... Uh, I time they can get started on the life. Well, that's the latest on Clarence Thomas. Other thing that came up concerns two federal decisions in Texas concerning the Texas anti-drag law. First, in what was it the Texas, uh, the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Texas, the judge there refused to issue a preliminary injunction to block a Texas public university's ban on drag shows. And he basically cited information brought to him by the anti-drag group Gays Against Groomers. He cited them in in his decision. And he basically said, you know, basically saying that that drag shows are grooming children for abuse and for sex and all this. So that was in that district. Jesus Christ. Now, in the Southern District of Texas, in that district court, the judge ruled that the anti-drag law, which, let me explain what the law says. It says that it bans sexually oriented performances on public property where they might be viewed by someone under 18 or in the presence of anyone 18. The law doesn't specifically mention drag, but 
all the sponsors of it have made it pretty clear. It's aimed at drag. So now it went to the Southern District in Texas, that federal court. That judge ruled that the law impermissibly infringes on the First Amendment. So they're fighting against So now you have these two federal conflicting decisions. In the same state. Which means eventually it's going to have to go before the Supreme Court. Yes. And the Supreme Court is going to rule. If they rule against, if they rule in favor of the anti-drag law, it's, what are you doing? Because even this guy, even this judge and his decision he wrote, goes, it is not unreasonable to read the, the, the law and conclude that activities such as cheerleading, dancing, live theater, or other common public occurrences could possibly become a civil or criminal violation under this law. And he's absolutely right about that. How far do you carry it? If someone's doing Shakespeare in a public park and they're doing it the original way it was done, with men playing all the female parts, are you going to arrest the theater company in Texas then for doing that? How about their rodeos? Right? They're clowns. The guys dress up as female clowns all yeah. the time. You're going to ban that? That's me. It's This law is not... I don't see how it's going to stand unless the Supreme Court goes totally radical, And but I don't see that What happening. next? Are you going to make a law that says women can't wear pants anymore? I know, right? Please. But yeah, I, I, I'm betting the Supreme Court is going to strike down the law. They better. They, yeah, should. they should. I, I can't see how they could not. I'd be shocked if they didn't. I will have to get my wigs and gowns and walking shoes on because they'll be fucking protests. Oh, yeah. Seriously. They'll be a big old uh, drag queen march on Washington, bitch. Not, I never even understand like why people have such a problem with drag. I, I never understand. It plays into the whole like stereotype that gays are indoctrinating children, children. into becoming gay. Yeah. No. It plays into that stereotype. I, and granted, I, we have seen drag queens at adult bars perform raunchy acts like that. Adult material. But it's an adult but it's an adult, it's an adult establishment. Adult They're not gonna also, have eighteen and under kids there. I've also seen drag queens at a book hour, reading to children. Yeah, the drag queen story hours are so popular. And they are very proper in those venues. They're great around the children. And you know what? They're willing to give their time for free to take to, to read to your children. Yeah. Because you don't. Yep. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't understand why people have such a problem. Because, like, I'll be honest, every drag queen I met because is always the nicest person right? in the entire world. Everybody has like, to be like Although, watch out for the drunk drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> Look. They'll scratch her eyes out, some of them. Listen, I can say that about anyone who's drunk, but, like... <laughs> I'm just talking about in general. Like, they are... They're great people. I once drank champagne out of a drag queen shoe. Yeah, that was... Yeah, I was a little drunk. Kind of gross. (laughs) Drag queens get those third hands and shit. I was was a little drunk. You probably have syphilis. (laughs) I mean, it's it's just moronic. It's because everybody has to think like them. They oh well it's it's against my I don't give a shit what you believe you believe what you want to believe that doesn't mean that everybody has to believe the same fucking thing yeah, everybody leave just... everybody in peace and shut your fucking mouth exactly right Abigail agrees yes yeah, so about Abigail. freedom of religion and then won't let people believe what they want to believe freedom or, of religion as long as it's their religion live. you know what I mean yeah actually yeah so yeah pricks. We now move on to our next segment. Yes, it's time for the Week in Fascism. 
And guess what state we're going to today? Mm. Take a guess. Take a guess. A wild guess what state we're going to talk about in the week in fascism. Texas? No. If Tommy was here, he would have known right well, away. How, what state do I cover in almost every other episode in this category? Florida. Florida! Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, always, I, I keep forgetting that they're actually still part of the U.S. Yeah, believe it or not. Anyway, in Charlotte County, Florida, which is on the west coast of Florida, on the penis side... On the penis. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what it looks like. It's a penis. It's on, you know, on the, on the Gulf of Mexico side there. <laughs> Got a problem with that? The inside of the curve. Anyway, it seems there was the a... Downspout. Yep. There was some sort of document memor- memorializing a conversation between the school superintendent in Charlotte County, Florida, and the district librarians. And it concerned the don't say gay law. And how it applies to the schools. So, I guess a teacher asked, are we removing books from any school or media center pre-kindergarten through grade 12 if a character has, for example, two mothers or because there is a gay best friend or a main character is gay? And the superintendent, Mark Viniello, answered, yes. So, any gay character, any queer character in a book in that school district's library have to be removed. It's now, so they need to relocate Key West because there's too many gays going down there giving Florida money. And they need to move Wilston Manor. Well, anyway, a, <laughs> a spokesman for the Charlotte County School District sent a statement out saying that books featuring LGBTQ characters are accessible in the media center for grades 9 through 12, but they may not be utilized for classroom instruction. They are available for individual study and can be borrowed by students. So that was the one clarification. But you're going to remove every book with a queer character in it? Does that include... I mean, it sounds like they're just talking about fiction. What about nonfiction? What about history books? Yeah. You're going to take out... I guess Harvey Milk is not going to exist. You're going to take out James Baldwin? Yeah. I mean, how many queer people do we know in history? Alexander the Great. You're going to stop uh, teaching history Alan Turing. Exactly. How far are you going to go with this? So I don't know. Fucking Florida. Fucking Florida, man. It's just, it's just, oh my God. I don't understand. Right, baby girl? Fuck Florida. Even Abigail agrees. Right. Oh, well. We now move on to our next segment. Yes, it's time for We Like to Watch, in which we discuss whatever we watched this past week, be it film, TV, book, play, anything. What have you seen this week, Edward? All right, so I I was hooked on this competitive like reality type show. Okay. It's called The Traitor. The Traitor, as in T-R-A-I-T-O-R? Yeah. Okay. And basically, it, it's like, do you know the show The Mole? I've heard of it. Okay, it, it's similar to that. Ba- okay. Uh, basically, uh, there's a group of 20 p- contestants. Yeah. They're all known as the faithful. And then three get chosen out as traitors. The traitors commit a quote-unquote murder in the house. They send a letter to someone saying, hey, you've been murdered. You have to leave the game immediately. They do it after they have already competed in like a challenge altogether. And then they go through more challenges and... Everyone has to vote together on who they think a traitor is. 
and vote them out. Yeah. Before they leave, they say truthfully whether they were or not, and they've been voting out, like, their own members, the faithful ones, and everything like that, and they get down to, like, the last bunch. And basically, if there are any traitors left in the last bunch, they get all the money that everybody has worked to earn at the end. But if it's just the people who are, like, the faithful, if it's just them when the game ends, then it, they split the money that everybody has been earning all game. So, no. like, during challenges, like, so everybody can earn 5000 for it's the pot. Big Brother murder mystery. Yeah. All right. Never got into <laughs> Big Brother. We don't do reality. I used to watch... I watched Big Brother for, like, the first two seasons. I just got too... I got tired of people of watching people him. behaving badly, yeah. you know? The, I think the last didn't, season didn't I, work for me. I saw was with Puck. You remember? Oh, Puck? no, that was the real world. That's the real world. Oh, yeah, that was the real world, which was like the original. Yeah, yeah. no, this was a very, like, cutthroat type of game, like, gaining people's trust and then, like, the traders going off and being like, all right, who, who are we eliminating now? Okay. And then they eliminate someone, and it's like, who eliminated them? Oh, the man. traders are like, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> no, that's funny. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It was an interesting series to watch. Cool. I liked, okay. I liked the competitiveness of it. Yeah. The the poker faces that people played, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? When does he have time to watch TV? I know, right? Yeah, With his I, schedule? I rarely watch anything now, <laughs> honestly. Uh, yeah, no, nothing. I haven't seen anything recently. Okay. What about you, Stephen? What have you been watching lately? Well, we what watched, should I say? What have we been watching lately? We've been lately? watching the same thing. We went through season four of Heartstoppers. Not Heartstoppers. Not Heartstoppers. Sex uh, Education. Sex Education. Um, that's on Netflix. Great, Great series. It's, it was four seasons long. It basically, it's a story. It starts out ostensibly in the story of this high school boy whose mother is a sex therapist. And I guess he's learned a lot growing up under her. And he starts acting as a sex therapist for people in, in school. In school. And hijinks ensue. But it's more than just the comedy. It's also dealing with how teenagers are dealing with sex and relationships. It's a coming-of-age story. And, and it, it includes everything. Straight, gay, bisexual, asexual. I mean, you know... Um, but this season, like trans, this last season, really centered a lot more on trans characters. Non-binary. African, uh, black characters. Non-binary, non-binary characters. It's really... For some people, I would say, if you want your parents to learn some shit... Have them watch have the show. Because they'll learn a little bit at least, you know? And realize, hey, they're just like normal kids. Just like yeah. anyone else, you know? They've got their issues and problems just like anybody else does. But only they have the extra problem of being discriminated and oppressed because of who they are. Yeah, but it's a really good show. It's really good. Julian uh, Anderson's on the show. She plays the mother. Yes. Sex okay. therapist. She's yeah. The sex therapist. She's really good in the show. Hysterical. Yeah, she really is. But some of the kids in the show are just excellent. Yeah. Like, the, I, I don't know the actor's name. She plays Maeve, who becomes friends oh, with the main yeah. character. She's a phenomenal actress. And this, I thought this past season, especially, she was really, really good in it. Yeah. And you watched her grow, grow with probably the Probably more character. than any other character, was probably her. You saw her character her growth, arc yeah. the most. Because she came from, a, she was living in a trailer park. Her mother's Broken a drug home, addict. You know. Her brother's a drug addict. And she's trying to get out of that atmosphere. And yeah. She, she wants to be a writer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like it's it's a phenomenal series. I highly recommend it. Yeah. And what else did we watch, Stephen? Do you remember? Do you remember what other Netflix documentary series we watched? I'm high, so I'm not sure. About the four South Korean cult leaders. Oh my god, I blocked them out. <laughs> 
We finished it. I may have talked about this the last episode. We finally finished this documentary series called In the Name of God, Holy Betrayal. It's on Netflix. It's in all these. It's all about, the, it centers on four of these South Korean pseudo-Christian cults. Okay. And how they manipulated what they people, what people. they did to these people, and how they abused them and manipulated them. And you watch this and you're like, now I understand why people are so willing to believe all the bullshit that Trump spews. Yeah. Because they're desperate for a leader Anything. in their lives. They're desperate for someone to tell them it's going to get better. Follow me. There's another series on Netflix that's similar to that. It's called uh, How to Be a Cult Leader. We oh, saw that we also. Saw that yeah. Also. yeah. It sounds so yeah, similar. Jim that, Jones just, was on that. Yep, this Jim one only Jones. dealt with the South Koreans. He the same thing, but with South Korean Christian cult. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was really it was eye opening. It really was. Scary. Yeah. I mean Scary. what some of them got away with. And one of them of the, one of them led them in a mass suicide. Yeah. And you know, similar to Jim Jones. There's yeah. some and, that are uh, still Yami Gomez active. too. Right. Yami yes. Gomez. Uh, in uh, mass suicide as well. Yeah. yeah, and some of these cults are still there. Yeah, they're still uh, active. Yeah, like the, the the one who died. Yeah, her cult's still active. She's the one that. that... No, no, that was another. No, the woman who she was arrested. She went to jail. She got out of jail, and she's still in and charge still of her right organization. Back into this shit. But she's basically on her enclave. I don't think anyone sees her or anything yeah. on compound or whatever. Yeah, but, but yeah, still but there. yeah, still there. Just amazing. So that was Arts. good. That's crazy. We have whoopie pies there. Have a whoopie pie. Red velvet. <laughs> Red velvet whoopie pies. Can't do much better than that. And then we also watched this off the wall movie called Coherence. It's from 2013. This movie I read about it somewhere online. And I was like, this sounds interesting. And it's all about this dinner party being given a bunch of friends all these couples, on the night that this comet is passing close to the Earth. And before you know it, it deal, delves into quantum mechanics and Schrodinger's cat and multiverse, multiverse theory. Theories. It's kind of mind-blowing to watch. It's not it's hard a, to follow. It's a mindfuck. It is a mindfuck. It is a mindfuck. Take a gummy or something before you watch it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, oh my God, because... If I saw it not on something, I think I would have been lost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, that glow stick is wrong. Yeah. And that's all I'm Yeah, it was, it was you good. Know, it was intriguing. Really, it held your interest. It was intriguing. Ending's kind of tragic yeah. for the one character. You want to see more, though. Yeah, you want to see what happens to her. But like I said, the movie was yeah. made 10 years ago. I don't think they'll be making any sequels to it. Nah. But Nicholas uh, Brendan was in it from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm. He was good in that. Yes, he was. Right? Yeah, so big thumbs up on that. I think that's pretty much what we watched this week. Yeah, we had a busy week, oh. so we didn't watch a lot. There was actually another thing I watched. I've been trying to find uh, good uh, Halloween-type like horror movies to watch for this year and everything. And I found Jeepers Creepers. Oh, oh good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you wait till you see Jeepers Creepers too? No, I saw that one too. You saw that one. Okay. Yeah, when they're on the bus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. Well, I'm, I'm both of them are good. Apparently they just First came, one's better, but yeah, they just came better. out with a new one recently. Definitely not as good as the old ones, but I I'm seeing like all right, I hope remake, they continue right? Uh, Did they remake it? No, or no, it, it wasn't like a, a remake. Third? It was supposed to be like a third of the series. Wow. It's uh, Jeepers Creepers Reborn or something like that. Okay, I'm going to have to look for yeah, that. Yeah, definitely not as good, but it's still pretty good. I want to see like how 
it continues the series and everything. Yeah, 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 it looks yeah. like it's going to continue and everything. So, but, wow, uh, yeah, Patrick got me into that years and years oh, ago. Oh god, yeah, right. Yeah, because I I love horror. I love horror movies. I like horror movies. I don't like gory movies. Oh, I don't There's like gory different... movies. Oh, I I like gory movies, but don't call it horror. Who's the lead guy in Jeepers yeah, no, Creepers? No, no. Gory and horror are different. Exactly. Who's the lead guy in Jeepers Justin Creepers? Long. Justin, Justin Long. Long. Have you seen the movie Tusk? No. Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith made this horrible movie. fucking movie. Horrible. How about a man movie. who is basically turned into a walrus? <laughs> and Justin Long is that man? Is that oh, man. I need to see this. It's. I love Justin. It's off. This so movie funny. is off the wall. Yeah, it's so funny to me. Yeah, yeah. This movie is not funny. Johnny it's kind of kind of horrifying. Johnny Depp is in it too. Yeah, he's in it playing this weird character. Yeah, well, it's a Johnny Depp. I know. It's just he was annoying. I thought. But yeah, you should look definitely look for that one. Johnny Depp is in a lot of Kevin Smith movies. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment. God, Karen, you are so stupid. God, Karen. You, it's time for Stupid People. Stupid People. And this is a whole group of people online who believe in a certain conspiracy theory. It seems that on October 4th, there's going to be a nationwide emergency broadcast system test. It's done every two years by federal law. Mm -hmm. The last time they did it was in 2021. So they're doing it again. It's going to affect all phones. It'll be the same tone that you hear. You're going to hear all those years, you know, the same message. Well, there's now a theory going around or a conspiracy theory that it will signal that that the signal will go to cell phones, which will activate nanoparticles in your bloodstream, such as graphene oxide, which will allow them... To control people's bodies. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking morons. I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie. I'm someone who believes Big Brother's listening and watching, but like, that just takes it a step too far. Being, well, being this, in tech, I know Big Brother's listening. Well, but this, come on, that's a little much, right? Like, well, in, this is related stream. to all the conspiracy theories about the COVID vaccine that, that it contained nano, nanoparticles, and one of them they claimed was this graphene oxide. Now, graphene oxide is this graphite, yeah. which has been oxidated. There is no way of quote unquote. Activating, activating it. it. The only real nanoparticles they have are fats and lipids that are basically the coating for it. Yeah. That's it. But this is what's so they're telling people, make sure your phones are turned off on October 4th. Otherwise, they're going to turn you into a zombie. And what are you going to do? They're telling everyone to turn your phones off. What about your TVs? Because that goes across the TVs. And it goes across airways. Yes, turn everything TVs. off. You're going to turn you into a zombie. <laughs> Fucking idiots. Fucking, uh, I just, I, uh, I, I just can't stand it anymore. I really can't. Yeah. So, to those conspiracy theorists about October 4th, we say... Stupid! You're so stupid! But we're not done yet, because I had to cite this one. Because this guy, I, I don't like this guy. I think he's an arrogant asshole. He's a writer for the New York Times called David Brooks. Real self-satisfied, probably enjoys the smell of his own farts. Anyway, he posted on, he posted on social media... 
a picture of a meal that he was having at an airport. It was a burger and fries with all the trimmings and stuff, and complaining that it cost him $78 for this meal at the airport. Well, the restaurant where he got the meal, they, like, went through the receipt. He had three cocktails. He had three bourbons or whatever with his meal. With his meal. That's okay. why it was seven, that $78. Okay. The meal is normally, like, $17. Yeah. And it's like, he posted this, and it's like, you didn't think you were going to get called out on this? They don't think. They think if they don't tag the restaurant, the restaurant doesn't see it. It's like, hello, Google search. They can search anything that comes up with their name. And the thing is, you know... And clearly, he had too many bourbons, so, you know... Yeah, right? Yeah. He forgot to look at the actual, like, items on the bill. That's just somebody looking for attention. <laughs> these All these... Uh, the, the the influencers, they do it all the time. Well, he's not an influencer. He's a columnist for the New York Times, which I don't read anymore. I think it's a crap paper, too. There are plenty of other independent news sources I can follow online. The only thing that the New York Times. Times is good for is wrapping fish. When was the last time you wrapped a fish in newspaper? No, I used to do it with my mother and father. Oh, I thought maybe it was when you were working for the mob or something and you were sending a message to somebody. <laughs> no, when we caught fish down south, right? we have to freeze it and we wrap it in newspaper to keep the cold in. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm old school. And then, you know, they would send it out on deliveries, you know, to specific people. No deliveries. It came to my house. <laughs> I actually think I still have some shrimp wrapped in paper in the fucking freezer. Well, to David Brooks, we say... Stupid! You're so stupid! Douchebag. Julie Andrews, take us away! Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens Brown paper packages tied up with strings These are a few of my favorite things And Tommy Gibbons right now, as he's listening to this at home, just had an orgasm. <laughs> just as the thunder clapped. Yes. <laughs> every time I played, he, he can't stop praising it enough, me. you know? But anyway, welcome to Five Faves. And being that we were talking about the play Red once again, and last week, last episode, the category was our five favorite songs with the color in the title. This week, the category was name your five favorite films with a color in the title. So, Tedward, what's first on your list? You don't have to go in any particular order. Number one on my list is Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, I can't pass that. that I don't blame you. That just gave away Teddy's age. (laughs) (laughs) Good movie, plus NPH is in it. Yes, yep. Oh, my God. (laughs) Funny funny as hell in it. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Absolutely wild. Good choice. Good choice. Good choice. Steven? Well, since you're in the show, Red. Yes. There is a movie, Red. Yes, with, with Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis. John Malkovich. Yes. Helen Mirren. Fucking great movie. It's a spy. It's a spy it's movie. It's a spy movie. It's about a, a, a spy, a U.S. spy. Yeah. Who retires. And he winds up getting a crush on the operator who he calls to get his his retirement check every month. Yeah. And he keeps calling her saying it got lost so that he can just talk to her. And they finally meet and... Then they get caught up in some espionage caper. You know, I mean, the opening scene is his house getting, you know, shot up from outside. Yeah. yeah. On the, it's just... It's a, it's a good movie, it's really It's a Bruce is. Willis movie. You know? Yeah. It's... 
And there's even a decent sequel, Red 2. Yes, Red 2. Red, yep. It's I love Helen Mirren because she can <laughs> she can strap an AK-47 to her fucking back and still look all prim and proper. Right. <laughs> she plays a, a spy also from England. She's a, a what what is it? Uh, what agency is MI5. Yeah, MI5. So she's uh She's also retired, but, you know, they help each other out, and she's winds up, you find out that she's in love with a Russian spy. Yeah. You know, and it, it's it's hysterical. And John Malkovich is just John Malkovich. He's fucking crazy. <laughs> He's very funny in the movie. Yeah. He really is. My first choice, I'm going to go in the, in the order of the years they were made. It's from 1974. Oh, going to do that. It's my favorite Margot Kidder movie. It's a Christmas movie. It's called Black Christmas. Also known as Stranger in the House. That's where the, the call is coming from inside yeah. the house. Yeah. From that movie. Really good movie. You like horror? That'll... Fellatio. It's Felicia. a new exchange. Yeah. <laughs> Fellatio nine. If you've never seen the... Don't watch the remake. Watch yeah, the original. Watch the original. It's the original is great. It is suspenseful. It is. It I was is. scared as a kid watching yeah. that. But Margot Kidder is great. She plays this character named Barb. She's basically this alcoholic college student who says whatever she wants in the movie. Yeah. And, oh, she's a she's a she's a scream. She's a riot. Yeah, she she's really a riot. is. Really good. But yeah, definitely definitely recommend Black Christmas. So what's next on your list? Oh, next on my list, Men in Black. All right. All right. I liked the original. Everything after that. Yeah. That's why I said Men in Black. I yeah. Men in Black 2. Exactly. I into the series. You know, I, I love the dog. I'm sorry. That's the favorite part is Frank. <laughs> you know, it, it's he's hysterical. Right. Hysterical. Good movie. I, I also I also love the uh, the guys by the coffee machine. Like, yes, that's what's that. <laughs> The little like uh, roaches, yeah, oh, that wind God. up you yeah, know, like housing ones. her when they uh, right. <laughs> this little little ant man apartment or whatever. Oh my God, <laughs> that's a good. That, that was a good movie, though. Yes, it was. So, Stephen, what's next on your list? Uh, in no specific order, I have uh, Red Dragon. Ooh, good choice. Yeah. One of the Hannibal Lecter films. Yeah. That was the prequel. Yes, that was with uh, Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. Yep, and Edward Norton. Yep. And, and of course, Anthony and Hopkins, Hopkins once again. And I, I, it's because I love the horror genre. Yeah. You know, and the, it's the suspenseful. You think of a cannibal, you think it's going to be all gore. It's not. Yeah. It's it it because it, it's psychological. Fucks with your head. Yes, yeah, that's what so... horror should be. It fucks with your head, you know. And it's that, funny that there's, there's an, actually there's an earlier version of that yes. movie. It's called Manhunter. Manhunter. It was made okay. with William Peterson in the Edward Norton role. Yeah. And Brian Cox played Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It's very different the way it's filmed and everything because they don't have the budget they have yeah. for Red Dragon, but it was decent. It was decent enough. Yeah. It really was. Oh, good choice, Stephen. My next film comes from 1981, starring Warren Beatty and Diane Keaton, appropriately called Reds. Have you ever seen it? It is a story of the only American buried in Red Square in the oh. then Soviet Union. Yeah, okay. I can't think of his name. John... John Reed. John Reed was his name. He was an American journalist, 
but he was also a communist, and he was there, basically, he reported on the Russian Revolution, he wrote a book called Ten Days and Shook the World, and Warren Beatty played him, and Diane Keaton played his lover, who was an activist in her own right, and it's about, it's a long movie, it's about over three hours or so long, but it's a great movie, it really is, because okay. it's a story of an American you never heard of. Yeah. You know, an American buried in Red Square. Yeah, it's a story of, you know, how he became involved in socialism and in communism and how he ended up over in Russia and everything. Really, really well done movie. I, I can't recommend it enough. I think it's Warren, one of Warren Beatty's best films. Mm-hmm. So what's number three for you, Edward, Tedward? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> so I know I asked you this before, but uh, would you consider Blonde a color? I said, yeah, he brought this up early with me. I and said, I wait till you were here. Not, it's decide. okay. I have a backup I, for this one. I would, because you're going to say legally blonde, right? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, I had, yes, I had that on my list. I do consider blonde a color. Okay. All right, all right. Cool, okay. Cool, cool, cool. So, so legally blonde's your choice. I just like crimson blonde. could be a color. Yes, it is. It's a or, color. you know, mulberry, yeah. salmon. You know. Carmine, carnelian, carmine. coral. <laughs> I say salmon because you always forget. Sunrise. <laughs> Sunrise is not a color. <laughs> anyway, back to the movie. Yeah, so Legally Blonde. Love Legally Blonde. Uh, love Legally Blonde. Love Reese with a spoon in that. I love I, the pink and I love the chihuahua. Actually, uh, the day that I was in the city and I was just walking around and I eventually went to the uh, Natural History Museum. I was walking down a street and there was a girl. She was wearing an all pink, like, dress suit. Oh, my God. Jacket, nice top. Like, it wasn't just, like, a spaghetti strap underneath or anything. A nice, like, length skirt. It wasn't, like, too long, not too short, you know. She looked, like, really nice. Just walk past her. Okay, all woods. <laughs> <laughs> she started cracking up, going the other way, and I was like, "All right, I made her day." There you good. go. There you go. Now I like that movie. That was a good movie. Yes, it was. What's uh, next on your list, Stephen? Next on my list, we're gonna take a little turn for the strange and go Great Gardens. Great Gardens. Great Gardens. Are you talking about the documentary? You could. Pick one. I like, I like both. But the, the film, okay. Grey Gardens, okay. I thought it was great. It's a great story. It's a fucking fabulous story. Right. You know, about the cousins of uh, Jackie, uh, Kennedy. Jackie Kennedy. What's your next one? Next on my list. What is next on my list? Oh, from 1985. With Whoopi Goldberg. Color Purple. The Color Purple. I love that movie. Yeah. It is such... It just... It just it tears your heart yeah. out. It's, yeah. yeah, it's just such an emotional movie to watch. It really is. Whoopi Goldberg is a great performance. So many of the actors. Danny Glover. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, it's Mr. Oh, my God. It's just brutal yeah. in that movie. Yeah. Brutal. And um, Oprah, for God's Oprah. sake. Excellent in that movie. Great movie. Great fucking movie. Yeah. Can't recommend it enough. Oh, my God. Incredible. And that whole big scene in the, ch- the, the, near the, the air with the church. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Crushes me. Oh, my God. Sin has got sold, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So that was next for me. What's next on your list? Uh, Next on my list is Superman Red Sun. Okay. I am not familiar with this film. Okay. Is it an animated film? It is. Oh, but but it's a very it's a very cool story. I would love to see if like they actually like did a well done live action of this. Okay. Uh basically it's Superman 
and uh, he was raised in Soviet Russia. And it takes the turn like that. Uh, Lex Luthor... I think there was is... even a comic book like that at one point. Yeah, yeah. Lex Luthor is like an American... I think he's just like a scientist engineer type. Okay. Uh, eventually he starts working for the government. And then eventually, like over time, like around the 80s-ish, uh, he becomes president. Oh, so it's like a vice versa type of thing. Yep. And, like, uh, they switch up a lot of things. Uh, Batman is a vigilante within the Soviet Union who wants uh, Superman to, like, lose his power. I think mm. Superman actually ends up killing Stalin anyway to, like, oh God. gain, to gain <laughs> the position of, like... Power. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, the Green Lanterns become, like, the U.S. Air Force... Oh my god. Like the whole Green Lantern Corps is just ah. the US Air Force. Oh my but god. But it makes so many funny like switches and comparisons to the actual Superman. Oh cool. It's well, very interesting. Yeah. I like okay. it for the story. Yeah, it's a very interesting story. I don't yeah, care right? It's animated. Steven, what's next on your list? I have nine, so I'm trying to pick like the best ones. Oh, okay. I'm gonna leave you with the one we talked about the other day. Yes. I'm gonna say Pink Flamingos. Ah, John Waters film. John Waters. Love John Waters. Starring Divine. Where I'm, she actually eats shit. Was it in Pink Flamingos that she ate shit? Wasn't one, wasn't one of the other ones? Nope, it was okay. Pink Flamingo. Wasn't sure. Have you ever seen any of the early films of John Waters? No. Really? Have you seen any films of John Waters? Not familiar. Serial Mom, Hairspray, the original Hairspray, the original not hairspray. that horrible thing with John <laughs> no. Travolta. Oh my God! Yeah. Cecil B. Demented. Yeah. So many, and his early movies when he had no budget, and he made early his early movies with Divine. They're great uh, they're to great. watch. They're oh great. my God! They're, you've heard of Divine, right? Mm-hmm. So he he kind of made Divine. No, well, yeah, I made Divine, but he they made each other. They made yeah. each other. You know that that movie was yeah, it's a good film. I think I still have a sealed DVD. Oh my god. Of pink flamingos that you gave me. Really? Our first Christmas together. Oh I my god. To me. That's funny. I don't remember that. I think it's under under the, the TV. Okay, with our other collection of DVDs. Yeah, the 9,000 <laughs> DVDs. But yeah, I love John Waters and pink flamingos was great. Yep. Next on my list, I, ha- I had to choose this from 1986 Blue Velvet. Yes. David Lynch film. Have you ever seen it? No, I've heard of it. Oh, my God. You get high. I saw that movie by myself in a movie theater before I went to go meet with friends. I went by myself because I didn't know anyone else who wanted to go see it with me. I was a David Lynch fan. And I went by myself and I went to my friend's college dorm at the time. I couldn't even talk for like a half an hour after this movie. It was just, it blew me away, this movie. It's, the the premise of the movie is about a boy who comes home from college because his dad is ill, and he finds a human ear lying in a field. So he investigates the story of this ear then. Where the ear came from. And Dennis Hopper is in the movie playing, I consider, one of the scariest villains I have ever seen in a movie. Scared the crap out of me. Yeah. It's psychologically bad guy. And for David Lynch, this is one of his more conventional films. It's not like his later films like Mulholland Drive or Inland Empire. It's more, it's a linear storyline and everything. But it's still a 
a mind fuck. Yeah. It really is a great movie. So yeah, Blue Velvet. Okay. Big thumbs up on that. So what is your final choice for your favorite films with the color in the title? My last choice, and this one is just like a childhood, like I grew up with this sort of uh, movie. Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Ah. <laughs> and and that one specifically, like Pearl, I did grow up with that movie. one. I didn't really I care did. for that. Oh, I, did. I, I didn't really, I didn't care for the first one all that much. That's uh, the first one. That is the first yeah. one? Yeah. Then I, yeah, I, I didn't like it. I love that. I didn't movie. like it. It was like, we're on one ship. Then we're going to the other ship. Then we're going to the other ship. It's like, oh, I'm fucking tired. Just stay on one fucking ship. That's not how pirates work. Uh, I just, yeah. Johnny Jump was, was great in the movie, but otherwise, I didn't care for it. I also enjoy Orlando, the sword fighting uh, within Orlando Bloom, Bloom. Yes, I know. He have a beautiful naked penis in those pictures with Katy Perry. I know he's in this movie. I don't care. I don't like the movie. Have you ever seen the naked pictures of Orlando Bloom? I have not. Oh, Ooh, my goodness. Impressive. Most impressive. Most, yes. He's out basically out in a public beach, I don't know, over in the Caribbean or they somewhere. Paddleboarding. Paddleboarding. She's Perry. got her bikini on. Katy's on the same paddleboard as him. Yeah. And he's just... Naked. Yeah. And quite impressive. He's got a very pretty penis. <laughs> yes, he does. Very pretty penis. Anyway, Stephen, what is your final choice? Yeah, I'm going to go with... This one's like psychedelic good. Oh, no. What, what are you choosing? Yellow Submarine. Oh, good one. The yeah. Beatles yellow... There's no rhyme or reason to this fucking thing. <laughs> but it's just I love that I movie. Love alone, the just for animation. The, just for the opening sequence yeah. alone, yeah. the Attack of the Blue Meanies. Yep. Love that whole sequence. <laughs> it's incredibly done. It's it's I love that. I love it. It is. It's a great animated it. film. It really is. Yeah. Good choice, Stephen. I'm impressed. Are you impressed? <laughs> My final choice is a 2005 film. wasn't a major blockbuster. It's a good action f- thriller film called Red Eye. It's with Rachel McAdams and Cillian Murphy. She's like this hotel executive or whatever, and she's going on this flight. And there's this man in the f- flight, played by Cillian Murphy, who basically tells her to... Because what's going on is the vice president is going to be staying at this hotel. So this guy's on the plane with her saying, call your hotel and change the arrangements or we're going to kill your father, who she lives with at home. So they have some hitman sitting outside their house. Okay. So that they can kill the vice president. That's the premise of the movie. It's really clever what she does. and It's a good movie. It's a good action, edge of your seat film. I really enjoyed that a lot. Not a big known film, but it's really good. Celia Murphy is excellent in it as the bad guy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that was my final choice. And a bonus one: you can't have a, a category with colors in the, the movies without the creature from the black, uh, the blue lagoon. <laughs> the the blue creature lagoon? from the blue black, lagoon. The black lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Brooke Shields is fighting a sea monster. <laughs> the creature from the blue lagoon. <laughs> well, they had one. <laughs> it just wasn't the same type of creature. <laughs> that one was more of a hugger. That one yeah. was a oh God, I scary type. I hated that movie too, Blue Lagoon. What are these funny hairs growing on me? Shut the fuck up. I used to watch that because I was young. I used to watch that and get 
bone fucking hard. <laughs> oh, Christopher Atkins, he was a oh. hottie back then. Oh, I like, I like the other movie he made where he played this. He was a student by day and a stripper by night. And he then he has an affair. He ends up having an affair with his teacher or something like that. Oh, I don't think I ever. I forget the one. name of it. Yeah, it's a bad movie. It's terrible, <laughs> but he looks great. We now move on to our next segment. Get off my lawn! Did you hear me? I said, get off my lawn now. Yes, it's time for the grumpy old gay men gripe of the week. Tedward, do you have a gripe this week? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> What's your gripe? Here's what really grinds my gears. Um, I hate people that, like, are just always constantly in a bitchy mood. Whenever you see them, like, up and down. What are you looking at me for? No, 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 not you. No, no, no. I mean, like, bad-spirited, you know? Like, they're not even good-spirited. What are you looking at me for? (laughs) I wasn't looking at you No, but, like, some people are just, like, always in a terrible mood and then just bring the mood down for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, we know know, people like that. We've worked with people like that. Debbie Downers. Yeah, yeah, everybody has, like, their issues and everything, but, like, just fucking, yeah, Yeah. get over it. Like, go about the day. Just try and not be a shithead to everybody, you know? Like, just, I don't get it. I I, I get you. I I know. Like, every, like, little displeasure they have with, the world and their surroundings. Mm-hmm. Have you had a so obvious, and it's like, all right. Have you had a recent incident with a Debbie Downer that has prompted this complaint? Oh, a few. I don't know why. It was like very recently. Like all the Debbie Downer story coming out, and I'm like, get, get, get away from me. Because it like, was raining. That's when they they do their best work. Apparently. <laughs> oh no. It's like, all right, everybody's already in a cloudy mood. I'm just gonna make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Steven, what's your gripe of the week? Oh, there's so many. Just give us one. How about drivers in the rain? Oh, driving again. We have, we have so many complaints about driving on this oh, show. Yes, driving in the rain. <laughs> That's because that's all I do is drive. <laughs> well, this pe- last week we had a lot of rain, so we had five days worth of rain, and it's you get the people that want to go twenty miles an hour because they can't see out their window because it's drizzling, <laughs> or you get people that are in the four by fours that think, "Hey, I got a four wheel drive, I can plow through this," and it doesn't work in the rain. Four wheel drive does not work in the rain. You done? I'm done. I was going to say, I can always talk about the drivers, the immense amount of terrible, terrible drivers on Long Island, but... Yeah. Well, I got a gripe. It's sort of a serious one. I've been going to this website for years called JoeMyGod.com. J-O-E-M-Y-G-O-D.com. It started primarily as a gay news site, but over the years, it's gone over more to covering politics, a lot of things of that nature. But I'd say probably I've noticed for the past year, but probably more so over the past couple of months, at least on an average of two to three times a week, they report a story of some person involved in a church in some capacity, whether it was a priest, a teacher, a church mentor or whatever, involved in some crime involving a child and sexual abuse or rape. And I read about it every fucking week, at least two to three times a week. And I'm fucking sick of it. We have these states making laws against drag queens, but we're not doing anything about this. 
And this is and it isn't teacher. like it's like in one or a couple of states. It's all, it's all over the country. It's all over. And this is a new issue either. No, it's yeah. not. It's been going on for a while. And no one is doing anything about it because they are so afraid to go after organized religion yep. for any reason. Any because reason. First Amendment, First Amendment. Well, this is not a First Amendment issue. This is a criminal issue. Yeah. And it needs to be addressed. It's about fucking time. Because I'm really, I'm, I'm disgusted when I read these stories all the time. It's like, Jesus Christ, how many more of these am I going to read? And it never stops. Yep. But the history of it goes way back to the, the child abuse. That's why the church thinks they can, they can just, uh, we'll just transfer you this priest to over here. They'll never know. Yeah. That was why they did it. Let's shut them up and just, we'll transfer them over here. Well, let's put them in the Vatican. But how are these people getting in these positions in the first place? You know? That's my question. What kind of screening process are they doing with these people? There are none. Obviously. And there needs to be. There needs to be. And I'm sorry. These state governments, these local governments, federal, someone's got to do something about this. Yep. Because it's not stopping. It just looks like it's getting worse. But all they want to do is... <clears throat> is let's ban drag queens! Come you know? after the gay community. Oh, it's the, the, the gays, the child molesters. The gays are, you know... Trying to convert your children. The you, majority, give me, you give me one example of, these, of a drag queen trying to convert trying to or, groom or groom a child. child. Give me one example. Or molest them. There's no drag queen trying to fuck your son in the ass. It's like, come on. It's your priest. It's your Boy Scout leaders. It's their teachers. It's their cousin. It's their father. It's enough is what it is. It's enough. Uh, sorry to end this on such a down note, but I, I had to get it off my chest Fucking because Debbie Downer. Sorry, <laughs> but I, I I had to get it off my chest because it's just been driving me crazy lately reading these stories. Well, better you do it here than with me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we now come to the conclusion of this week's episode, uh... and we want to thank Thaddeus Teddy Tedward Plezia. For participating. Thank you, thank you for having me. And make sure you come and see Teddy in red. And me. And Oh yeah, and Patrick. <laughs> yeah. In red at South Shore Theater Experience in Lindenhurst. Our last few shows are Friday, September 29th and Saturday, September 30th. Yes. It's a real good show. Yes, it is. An excellent show. And also, don't forget, you can find all of our episodes plus our bonus material at www.grumpyoldgaymenandtheirdogs.com And you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. And I think that's about it. Anything else, boys? Nope. Okay. Just make sure you don't say bye, bitches, when I sign off now. Fuck off twice. <coughs> you have to deal with Tommy. Face. You have to deal with Tommy. Oh, uh, you've been warned. <laughs> you've been warned. So on that note, we'll say have a good night, have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next time. See y'all later. Bye.